bit of an exaggeration on the way down the <laughs> So uh, I'm being judicious, but I did, and you know, I've had a couple, and they're okay. You know, they're not, they're not awful. I've never had candy that had a warning on it before. Uh, I think that's interesting. <laughs> I know. Well, this is on on the internet uh, with with some of the herbal sites I went oh. to for information, and this one had some pretty interesting information. <laughs> I read all the way down to the bottom of the page and got to the warning at the bottom. So I wasn't, I wasn't all that confident that what they had said and proclaimed along the way was really as good as they said it was. Yeah, that's one of those. Yeah, I mean, it was very effusive. They just went overboard with the claims of how wonderful this is, and it would cure everything and probably bake bread at the same time. But Urban legend. Yeah, right, right. You know, <laughs> Excuse me, but I have one every once in a while. You know, it's okay. <laughs> Better than nothing, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, they sit next to my computer, and once in a while, I'll pop one, and, you know. Here's what ails you. What? I say it will cure what ails you. <laughs> or kill what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, did somebody, did Fred mention the Kaiser? Who, or did you mention that from your... I mentioned the Kaiser and the Maxwell, yeah. You know who, who uh, the Kaiser was built by and named for? Uh-uh. Kaiser Aluminum guy, I think, and... I think he was in Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Our friend. It wasn't Henry Kaiser, the uh, the ship magnet. I forgot right. about Kaiser Aluminum. Hmm. What happened to them? I, aren't they still in business? I think. The, Are they? The, All right. Well, I'm working. I'm overworking Google here. Just keep talking, and we'll see. I got. I got a boofer. Hmm. I just went and pulled this one up because no one in the house is ready, so I thought we'd play one. One classic one, just to warm us up. So here we go. Lowell Thomas and the news. All have you a few more unforgettable words? About a new book called Diet or Die. Author, Mrs. Celeste Geyer, perhaps better known to millions of carnival fans as the one-time Dolly Dimples. Remember, the world's most beautiful fat lady? That was the billing Mrs. Geyer used. When she weighed 555 pounds, count them, 555 pounds. Now a svelte 122. She tells in her book how she did it, following the advice of a doctor who told her after a near uh, fatal uh, heart attack to diet or die. The secret of effective weight loss, massive willpower, says Mrs. Geyer, adding that her own willpower was strengthened by the memory. Well, anyhow, she said that her uh, fat friends from Carnival Life died at an early age, later buried from the back of a truck. Those her own words. Why truck? Because of Mrs. Geyer. They were too big for a hearse. And so long until Monday, Lowell. Listen each evening, Monday through Friday at the same time for the distinctive news reports of Lowell Thomas. There we go. Poor Lowell Thomas. He did oh. that every once in a while and just could not recover. That was great. I just lost it. That's a good one. That, that is a good one. Yeah. Now, It'd be, the best thing for me to do is just feed these up to Walden and have him play them. <laughs> Well, 
I don't have as many as you, but I figured Patricia was looking for one, so I went and Dolly found, Dimples. Found I, I have read about Dolly Dimples. I did not know her last name was Geyer. Did anybody know that? No. No. Did you pick up that she was buried in a, a piano box? Did he say that? Uh, I think he said he picked, they took his friends in a hearse. And uh, uh, they've used a, a pickup truck because she wouldn't fit in a hearse, or they wouldn't fit in a hearse. Yeah. I, I might be thinking of something else, but I thought they said that they used a piano box for a, cof, yeah, for a coffin. I, I missed that. I didn't hear that. Um, that may be something else. I'm mixing it up. But I, um, anyway, I heard that years ago. Yeah, yeah. In, in Europe, I heard somebody play that. Mm-hmm. We had... <laughs> We would trade things with other field stations affiliates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like somebody would have that blooper, and we would want it. But we used the, the telephone lines in, in Germany, and they, the high-quality telephone lines that tied the stations together were two-way. You could feed something down, or they could feed something back up. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. During their local programming, they could feed something to us. So we thought, that thing. these lines are probably monitored by people that speak English in, in the uh, German telephone company. So we got the idea of feeding them up backwards. We just turned the tape around, and it would come up backwards. You couldn't understand it. And then all you do on the other end is just not rewind the tape. You just yeah. It comes out, and it, and it straightens it out. But that, that's how I, some of my collection came that way. That's Fading funny. Like kids trade baseball cards. Yeah. And um, anyway, that's probably not very interesting, but I, it just oh, yeah. occurred to me. I think it's interesting. Hey, I do. Aluminum is in business. They're in Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. I got a gal in Kalamazoo. You do? Well, that's what the song was. That's what that's what most people know the song, Kalamazoo. I got a gal in Kalamazoo. And I said, you do. I know you do. And that rhymes with Kalamazoo. They do. Kalamazoo is right outside of Berlin or what? I, I missed something somewhere. Uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, Gwen Mill Michigan is Kaiser Aluminum. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, Glenn Miller had a famous song, I Got a Gal in Kalamazoo, when yeah. Patricia mentioned Kalamazoo. And I said, you do. Yeah. And I'm so proud of myself, and he didn't get it. It was Rhymed, just rhyme. I think I'm just going to sit here in the corner. <laughs> you're, you're fine. <laughs> I don't know, Nolan. You get on the phone, and you, get, you do whooshes for me, and my reputation is safe. When you call, I know my reputation as a whoosh mm -hmm. is safe. <laughs> swish, swish. Every time you do it with such a great straight face. Well, uh, that's only on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hide it well. You hide it very well. But my brother used to say about somebody that they tease so good. They t yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. That's Ooh. it. That's the ticket. Yeah. Oh, boy. You're one of them. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm so trusting. Did, you, did, you, did your brother tease you when you were little, figuring Hear out? Hear me. It was merciless. <laughs> merciless. Brother? I have two older brothers, yes. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I know. I hate to be the guy that was coming to pick you up on your first date. <laughs> yeah, well. Better have her in on time. Yeah, that's right. We'll be right here. Oh, dear me, you know. <sighs> yes, it was merciless, Walden. It was really, it was terrible. It was terrible. I should be more alert. I should be inured to this. And I'm not. 
I just I just can't believe that people would behave like my brothers did. <laughs> <laughs> that they are just two standalones. Oh gosh. And and we get along really well. But if you if you help me remember the things that they did to me, I can fix that. <laughs> that that sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You could you could do that. Mm-hmm. You could do that. Nolan, what kind of a car do you drive right now? I, I drive. Um, well, it's funny you should ask that. I had a, a Toyota Land Cruiser. Uh huh. And that's that's rather useless in in uh, Florida with four wheel drive and all that business. Is yeah. And um, <laughs> my daughter had a terrible wreck. <clears throat> Thank goodness she didn't have a scratch on her, but she she had a convertible. That's up in Cincinnati, so that was about as appropriate as the Land Cruiser in Florida. Wow. And she was going to work and hit a guardrail and went, flipped over and uh, didn't. Have, I'm, apparently, well, she had her seatbelt on, but I don't know what protected her head from the way the car is built. She didn't get a scratch, you know. Oh, wow. Roll bar either. Wow. That comes kind of roll bar or something in, between the windshield and the front and the uh-huh. back of the car. So it made sense at the time to give her the uh, Land Cruiser to take to Cincinnati and uh, she, of course she totaled her, her other car mm-hmm. and I, I didn't get a, <clears throat> another car now, now Sally has our you know family car mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, we had bought a 1984 yeah 84 Mercedes when I was in Kentucky and uh, it was only a year or two old when I bought it I bought it from a banker and it had been repossessed in Atlanta and it was had a, a history of being well cared for and I drove it and drove it and drove it. So finally, um, my son had worn out his car, so I gave him the, the Mercedes. And he's had it all these years. Well, now with the family and everything, it was it was in storage. So I got that car, and I love it. And it's uh, a diesel, and it's uh, it is kind of Sally doesn't like to drive it. It's kind of a man's car. It's not not too cushy, you know. You think of a Mercedes, this was a pretty rugged car, but it's it's just. Pristine. Warren has taken such good care of it. Wow. Trusting me with it. And uh, so that's what I'm presently driving. But um, I don't know where you're going with this story, but does that, does that overtell it like I usually do? No, that, that was cool because we were talking about cars that aren't around any longer. I asked you what you were driving now. Now I'm going to ask you if you remember your first car. Oh, do I ever? Yeah, I have a model of it and a picture of it in my home office here. What did you drive? A 1956 Ford uh, Sunliner. This was a car that looked like a convertible, but it had a hard top. Okay. And it was uh, aqua and white. Oh, when I was out digging around for information, I saw those colors. Really? Oh, that's neat. Yeah, they hold up pretty well, even even now. I, I, it was a pretty car. I, I really, uh, and I put 100,000 miles on it. Well, I bought it used, of course, and then, but I remember when it turned over all zeros. So that's all it would register was a hundred thousand, and then you started all over again. Yeah, yeah, and, I'm, and with the Mercedes, I'm on the second, uh, starting the third hundred thousand. Wow, wow! Well, you really do take care of your vehicles. What happened to the to the Ford? Um, when I went in the army, I sold it. I, I couldn't um, couldn't take it with me. Sure. 
a, as a book private. I could bring one home. I brought a Volkswagen home, and I told you that story. Uh huh. How that I wrecked it. Yeah. But um, the the Ford I had to sell, and it uh, really had a, a lot of fond memories of it. In it. Boy, it sounds like it. Yeah, my son likes to tell the story. The dad had that car, and that's the first car where he got lucky. It's too bad he was by himself. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll even toss in the extra chicken man's for you. <laughs> As she quickly changes the subject. Yes, she does. <laughs> she is such a duh sometimes. You know, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I don't know how you do this to me. You're a very intelligent person. You have a uh, vast knowledge in two areas that I know about. Which is? That's law, and that's medical. I've learned that from talking to you. Am I far off? Well, yeah, medical is okay. Not not law, though. Really? Well, no. no I don't think so. I, we were talking? Well, I know about oh. a lot of laws, but I don't know law. Okay. I just thought I detected something that sounded very professional when we were talking about Oh, wow. Oh, wait a minute. Erase that. Nolan, yes, you're absolutely right. Law in my background. Okay. I like that. Thank you. It's not true. It, it really isn't true. The mystery lady. Yeah, well, I, that, that just means I sound good. This is good. Thank you. The uh, mask is crumbling. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of falling off in little flakes here. Yes. <laughs> yes, this is true. No, I have nothing to do with law. Okay. Yeah. You're, you, you speak with authority anyway. Yeah, well, I told you about the Lucy Van Pelt theory, not theory, but the principle that Lucy in Peanuts, you know, Charlie Brown's friend, she says, if you're going to be wrong, be wrong at the top of your lungs. <laughs> so I just assert myself. It doesn't make any difference if I'm right or wrong. I sound like I'm right. <laughs> Right? All right. This is good. Yeah. I don't often really get wrong, but never unless I, I'm comfortable with what I'm saying. I'm often wrong, but I'm never in doubt. There you oh, go. Man. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I like that one. Huh. I don't know where I stole that. <laughs> it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Nothing for me. Uh-uh. Okay, well, your your assignment is um, to keep working on your equipment right. and get us some bloopers. You've really got some honeys. All right, I will, I will keep digging. Okay. We will um, be prepared next time I call. Oh, that's super. Okay, and you will have Minuteman. Oh, no, you're going to send me Christmas first, right? Yeah, yeah. And we got we got this tradition to keep going. This poor envelope is going to disintegrate pretty soon. You know, I was looking at it the other day. It's in remarkably good shape, though. You know, for the, for the amount of traveling it's done, I agree. <laughs> it's really it. I agree. I think they're probably afraid to stamp it now because it'll fall apart. It's, it's good at twice the price. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this, I, I, I think now, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I think this will be its sixth trip. Isn't that amazing? It is. Really remarkable. But it's nice. Uh, you know, it's fun. I'm having a good time with this. Okay. Well, you all take care and uh, stay warm. Okay. Right. Thanks for calling. 
pleasure always. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Well, I found the clip of the Great Ghostly Show. This is from the audition, May 26, 1941. So we are on, on the 80th anniversary this year of the Great Ghostly Show. And this is going to be, as you notice, Marjorie is not known as Marjorie on this, Patricia. So here's a small clip of the audition of the Great Ghostly Show, sponsored by Johnson Wax. All right, sir. Well, 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 I'll bet this is little Leroy. Leroy, this is your uncle. Hi, Uncle Mort. Yeah, hi, who? You. <laughs> you, Uncle Mort. You don't mind if I call you Uncle Mort, do you, Uncle Mort? <laughs> Not at all. Go right ahead. Uncle Mort, eh? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and this is Evelyn, Mr. Gildersleeve. Evelyn, eh? Uh, come here, my dear. Mm. <laughs> my, how you grow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Here, let me take your hat and coat. <laughs> Will you have some breakfast? Uh, no, thanks. I've already had mine on the... Well, I'll have a cup of coffee. There we go. A little bit of the great ghost we show. What happened? <laughs> that set them off when he said, My, you've grown... You've well, grown a bit, or... Mm. Uh, I can't recall his exact words, but she made a little sound, a uh -huh. little noise, and there was a pause, and he made a comment about how she had grown up. Yeah. And, of course, this was the first time in the show that he was meeting her, so uh -huh. there was something that happened on that stage in front of the audience because the audience went nuts. Yeah. Well, she did that little verbal motion. Mm. I know. Yeah. And then he came back and said there was a pause. It uh -huh. was like it wasn't in the script, and he did the, the fun recovery, the yeah. quip. And the audience just went nuts. So something happened visually. Uh -huh that we weren't, aren't privy to because it's an audio. I'll bet it was a good one. I bet it was. Yeah. Someone... I need to explain what Nolan and I were talking about. Yes, please do. The envelope. I sent Nolan some CDs that arrived, and the stamps were not postmarked. They were just stamps. So he sent it back to me with something in it, and when they got here, the stamps were not postmarked. So the next time I send something to Nolan, I use the same envelope. We're cutting this open and scotch taping it closed. And I sent it to Nolan, and it arrived, and the stamps are not canceled. So he sent something to me a while later. Now, this is over a period of maybe six or eight months. And he sent something to me, and the envelope arrived, and the stamps are not canceled. So I opened the other end. Now we're scotch taping the other end of the envelope. And it arrived at his house, and the stamps are not postmarked. So he's going to send something back to me. We're going to be crushed when somebody finally puts a, a stamp on this. you know. And it's not something you're supposed to do. And I don't feel terrible about it because we're having such a good time. It's really entertaining. So this poor envelope is starting to look like it got run over in a parking lot or got put out to, um, with little kids at a play school. But the stamps are just as good and as clean and as crisp as the day I put them on. So back and forth it goes. It's my turn to get it. You're going to get the good stuff. Uh, yeah, this is good stuff. Mm -hmm. This is good stuff. Okay. So I started to ask you 
You did one of the running gags, Taint Funny McGee. Ain't Funny McGee. Taint Funny McGee. I went to uh, Mr. Schultz's book, Claire Schultz's book, Fibber McGee and Molly on the Air, and he listed out 16 running gags and running comments, you know, something that, that reoccurred over the life of the show. He identified 16. So that's 14 in addition to the closet and to Taint Funny McGee. He's got 14 more in there. How many How many can you name? Well, I wonder what she's defining of those. So let me get throw some ideas who I consider a concept being sort of a running gag, but maybe they don't qualify. Uncle Dennis. No. Aunt Sarah. Oh, then of course. Those are our recurring characters. But they always seem to have the same theme. They do. Well, they have the same personality. Yeah. So, no, that's not a running gag. Okay. Well, t- uh, is somebody borrowing for Beulah? That's one of them, yes, and I never would have come up with that one. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe we got somebody that can help us out. Or not. Hello there, you're on the air. Hey, Walden, how you doing? Good morning, how are you? Oh, good, how you guys doing tonight? We're doing good. Good morning, I'm fine. How about, you got the coffee on, or haven't you been to bed yet? Uh... Well, now I've been to bed. I had to, I got to get up and uh, throw a log on the fire. Mm. So, so you going to go back to bed? Uh, yeah, I'll probably take a nap before church. Yeah. There you go. Now, rest up before you go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I heard you talking about this uh, post office thing. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. And you do you do know that the post office is currently losing about a million dollars an hour. Three hours oh. a day, right? No, there are a couple of billion dollars in the red, and they're raising postage billion, yeah. on the second ounce postage. The 44 cents will stay the same, but the 17 cents for the second ounce will go to 20 cents, and they want to cut back on services to recover this money, and Nolan and I are sending this envelope back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Hey, so it's your, your fault they're losing a million dollars an ounce. Well, no, I, I have to say, now, time out here. I have that they reported the two-point-something billion dollars in the red before I sent this envelope to Nolan. Now, we haven't done uh, anything to take them out of the red, but we didn't put them there. Yeah. So I think it was eight eight and a half billion they lost last year is what I heard. Billion with a B? Yeah, eight and a half billion, yeah. Hmm. Mamma mia. So the... Uh, but my quick math, that's uh, nearly a million dollars an hour. That's, that's a lot of dollars. And, and considering P- Patricia mailed that many envelopes last year. I'm the only one who's using the postal system the way uh, to that degree. <laughs> I'm doing my part. Right. Uh-huh. All right. So now I have to go to Google again and find out USPS. <laughs> Money, money order, money status, money, what do we want? Um, debt. Okay, USPS debt, 2010, $15 billion. Wait a minute. All right, March. I'm, I'm looking for something as current as I can. Okay. The debt balance, oh, this can't be. <laughs> Jerry, this cannot be. Hold on. Da, dee, da, dum. We've got 10 pages. Debt, debt.
debt. We want debt. Executive summary, liquidity, capital plan, operating plan and expenses, operating volume and revenue. I don't have the patience to go through. All right, let's see. Cash outlay plans of $1.5 billion should be targeted toward improving, <laughs> improving service, but we just want to cut it. Hold on. Um, this one is from August 2010. Uh, ends the third quarter with a $3.5 billion loss. Now, does that mean for the th the total for the three quarters, or is that just the third quarter loss? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, boy. Like I said, I remember reading, uh, of course, I didn't verify it, but that uh, they had lost $8.5 last year. Uh, that is just extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. I don't know if I, if I didn't misplace some, some uh, decimal points there that... Uh, well, I don't. I don't think you did. Um, Ten million dollars an hour. Yeah. All right. This is CNN money. Snail mail. This is from earlier in 2010. Snail mail might soon get even slower. The cash-strapped U.S. Postal Service announced Tuesday. This is from March. Announced Tuesday that it will incur about 238 billion in losses over the next 10 years if Congress does not allow it to revamp its outdated business model. Uh, see, this, this, is, this is a semi-private organization. Well, then how did this happen? We've got uh, a partnership here between the United States government, and it's only semi-privatized. Yeah, because they have to, uh, it's sort of a utility. You know, they, they, they're required to give service to every area. Right. Uh, whereas a private business would would dump the nonprofit areas. So basically, they're regulated on what they can charge. Right. And uh, you know, they, so they, you know, that's that's the thing. They, you know, everybody says, well, you, you know, uh, uh, FedEx or whatever could do it cheaper. Well, they could, but they wouldn't give the service to. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it really can't go to a, a totally privatized um, system. Right. Well, the thing is, it's kind of outlived its usefulness now with, uh, uh, you know, with all the electronic communications, mm -hmm. which wasn't available yeah. at one point. So, uh, uh, yeah, I don't I mean, know where they... I mean, what, what's the last important piece of mail that you received, uh, you know, by regular, regular you know, Class A mail? You know, it, it just doesn't happen. You get a bill or you get a, a flyer. That's about it, you know. A check from my sister. I think I, uh... $20. That was very important. But you could have got it two days later. It wouldn't have made a big difference in your life, I think. No. <laughs> I, it could have been there for two days anyway because I don't go to my mailbox every day. Exactly. And, you know, this, uh, you know, this, this daily delivery and all, you know, that's uh, kind, of, kind of outlived its usefulness, I believe. But what do I know? I'm not qualified to run a, an organization that large, you know. <laughs> we are. Walton and I could whip it into shape. Yeah. I think I can come up with a lot of ideas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna do, Walden, you want to go to uh, run the post office with me? I would love to. I'll bet you would. I think we can make, I think we can make it a, a, a profitable venture. I think so, too. You know? Um, mm -hmm. I, I guess... You know, and I read a couple heard a couple of years ago that forty percent of the mail now is creating my Christmas cards and junk mail. Well, that's what I'm saying. As far as important, yeah, 
important stuff. Uh, it just doesn't go anywhere if it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's either electronically transferred or it's uh, mm -hmm. sent by overnight courier. Yeah. The um, junk mail is a major sustenance for the postal service, so I don't know how they would um, how they would deal with that. I don't know. What did you say was the junk mail? Oh yeah, yeah. Is a major source of revenue for the post office. And, and they're doing it at discount. Right. Oh, pennies. Yeah, I mean, yes. Pennies on the dollar for junk, which I don't understand. Yeah. But. What do I know? You know like, like at my house here, I, I live uh, just a couple miles from out of town for the county seat. And, uh, you know, of course, we have our, our large post office there. And if I go out my driveway and go the opposite way, about two miles, there's a there's a post office. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at, at one point it was to serve that local area. But today, I mean, uh, you know, it, Modern transportation, people could drive to town in a minute or two, you know. Uh, yeah, it's like a five-minute drive. Yeah. So, uh, still in all, okay, you can say, okay, well, they're there to serve the local area. Uh, but there are rural delivery mailboxes literally in the driveway of the post office where the, the, the big post office in town. Are you serious? No, I'm serious. I have a picture. I'll even send you a photograph of it. Cause I, I took Did you do that? I can't believe that. On on the on, on the driveway, where you pull into the post office, yeah. there is roll delivery mailboxes where the mail gets delivered from the main post office in town. Walk it, they walk it across the parking lot. No, no, no. It comes from the the, the, the big post office in town. It comes out on a, on a truck. You know, a okay. mail truck. All right. All right, so you're running a truck up there and delivering post office to the people that live, you know, 50 feet from the post office. Okay. Okay, so... <laughs> Holden and I could fix that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I really don't see the, you know, and this building, it's a nice, oh, it's a nice building, nice brick building, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, concrete parking lot, and, uh, uh, you know, of course, for the uh, commercial building, it has to have storm runoff and... You know, a lot of, you know, it probably cost a couple million dollars to build this place. Sure. You know, a million dollars a year to operate it for, you know, a, a postmaster and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, one or two employees and people to fill in when he's gone and so on and so forth. And Pine Ridge has a post office in the Johnham Down store. Sure. Yeah. That's where the post office is, in the little Johnham Down store. Yeah, I used to have a, a sure. another house I owned where I lived years ago. Uh, you know, I, we had a post office literally on my lane uh, you go to the end of my lane and uh and uh right there on the corner where i turn on the main road was a was a post office and you know i never set foot in the place uh for me to get my mail there i had to rent a post rent a box from them and uh you know i already had a box at the main as i said at the county seat i'd had one there for years yeah and uh you know it was just it's me changing my address you know and uh so, you know, I had this post office sitting there with the postmaster and all that, and, and uh, you know, and I, you know, I'd, I'd never get any use from it, and it was just a, mm -hmm. at expense, you know. Uh, so, and that was this. This was 30 years ago. So, <laughs> and I'm sure by now, you know, people retired and collecting pensions, and more people work there, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. But anyway, you ask about cars. I've never been yeah, uh, yeah. long run production. Uh, two that came to my mind, two that I remember my old man owned, was uh, a LaSalle and DeSoto. 
the LaSalle. I haven't heard that name in a million squillion years. Yeah. And DeSoto, that was um, a Groucho Marx car. Now, what, what was the LaSalle? Would... Uh, it was a sister to, like, Cadillac and Packard. Okay. And uh, it was a big, big, big car. Uh, the one, uh, the one my dad had had a, uh, the emblems on it had a, said it was a V8 engine. But it had eight cylinders on each side, so it was, it was actually. Oh. And I remember it had a two-speed differential, uh, floating axles, just like a truck. Uh, but it was a big, you know, fancy car, high-speed high car. My goodness! But it was a big car. Oh yeah, yeah, huge. Like I said, it's a 16-cylinder engine and uh, uh, two-speed differential, and you know, floating axles, everything. Yeah. Uh, now, did, did did people have to? take some special lessons to drive this thing? Well, I don't imagine. It's, yeah. Uh, really have no idea. Hey, or, or a friend of mine, I can't remember what he had. Uh, I was looking at one of some of his cars one day, uh, and I forget what it was, one he had just acquired, and I, I can't for life remember what it was, but it had a straight eight engine in it, which is uh, yeah, it's an inline eight cylinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to uh, lube the uh, the top end, uh, it, di- it didn't have a pressure lube system like we would have on a modern vehicle. So over over top of each cylinder was a little cup. So before you would uh, start it, you would you would fill that cup with oil. And as as you were then you start the engine and drive to town, and it would uh, oil would drip down on top of the the uh, valve train on top. Wow. And when you get to town, you know, before you come home, you fill the fill the oil cups again. <laughs> How old was that system? I, I don't remember what car he had, but I'm, uh, it was from the '30s. I don't remember, but I, for life, I can't remember what the, what it was now. Uh, it was the only only one I'd ever actually personally seen that, that did that. Uh, so you always had to travel with oil. Yeah, you. And no matter where you went, you had to be prepared, whatever the weather, to put oil in the little. Yeah, little cups over top of the valves, yeah. And they would just... Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So when the valves moved, this oil would lubricate them. Right, yeah. See, so modern engines, you have a pump that just pumps the oil up there. Right. Now, what about on long-distance trips? Did it have to be repeated periodically, like every yeah. 50 miles or so? Every so often, uh, you'd have to stop and stop. You would have to stop and, and, and do it. Right. <laughs> Frozen frozen up engine doesn't doesn't get repaired very well well it'd be the top end i had a uh, I, uh in fact i still have it a uh, uh 50 there's a 50 chevy truck i have out here and i back uh when my son was in uh in high school it was actually his first truck uh i got it for him when he was 14 and he put it together and when he got his driver's license that's what he what he drove through high school and college and uh but when, I, when we rebuilt the engine in it, uh, I had another engine out here I'd put together. Uh, I had a 53 panel truck. I took the motor out of that, and uh, we rebuilt the engine because he was still driving that one. And uh, so we rebuilt that one out of that 53. Anyway, the problem was when I put it together, and I wasn't aware of this, uh, I had noticed when I put it together, one of the head bolts, cylinder head bolts, uh, was looked like it had been damaged so I just 
dug through my scrap pile, grabbed another bolt and put it in. And when we put it together, the, the cylinders on top wouldn't oil. Uh, yeah, the oil, the, the oil pump would not pump the oil up there to it. So I go go talking to a machinist, uh, old old timer that worked on these things when they were new. And I had a uh, a 50, I think it was a 58 block or a 58 head, I forget. But anyway, it was different years than these engines. And there was an incompatibility there. So the oil would not flow from the engine, from the block up through the head to oil the top, top of the valves. Got it. And... So the trick was you would take that one cylinder head bolt and uh, and use a use a bench grinder and grind a flat spot on one side, and that would allow that oil to pass that head bolt and reach the top of the cylinder. Got it. Okay, you actually you literally created a leak. Yeah, it wasn't a leak. It was an internal leak. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, but the but the principle was you created a leak, so um, there there was room for the oil to move. Right. So the, so the oil could pass the cylinder head bolt and uh-huh. up on top and then oil the valves on top. Yeah, it's like cleaning out a carotid artery. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Did you ever get in a situation where you started to laugh and and just couldn't stop? Yeah, I had something happen one time. The only time I could think of, I heard you ask that question. Uh, this is back, gosh, I can't remember what year it was. Uh we went to Hershey Park in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. and uh, this is my kids were smaller, but they had a new ride there. It was a it was like a whitewater raft thing, mm-hmm. and this was set up for basically for kids. You know, you'd you climb a ladder, uh, you know, steps up to the top of the tower, and they had a little rubber raft there. You get in, and they'd uh, push a button, the bottom would drop out, and you'd ride down this chute to the bottom. So, so. Uh, I, I kind of pushed my wife into me and her getting on this thing. So you got all these little kids up there, you know, that weigh like 40 pounds apiece, two, two of them in a raft. My wife and I crowded this thing. So we get to the, and she she doesn't like heights. She doesn't like this kind of stuff. And she wanted to, they had a ladder up there if you got scared, or, or uh, steps. If you got scared, you could get down the back steps and uh, not ride it. So I kind of forced her to ride this thing. And... We're coming down, and, and the way it worked at the bottom of the of the hill, it was just a big plastic tube you'd ride down. Mm-hmm. So at the bottom of the hill, they had a basically like a little pond. You'd hit that water, and it was supposed to slow you down. And then they had this little runoff uh, where the raft had come up, and there was a kind of a rough textured surface, and the sides would squeeze in and squeeze the side of the raft. And uh, you would... The little kids, they would hit that, go about two feet, and it would stop. <laughs> well, <laughs> we had a little more momentum than that. <laughs> uh, a little more kinetic energy built up there. So we hit that uh, pod. We just skipped over the top of that thing. We hit the, uh, the, the little textured area. You know, we didn't even slow down. And uh, there was a guy standing there. He's used to these kids stopping, you know, and, and uh, he'd reach down, grab the raft, throw it on the conveyor. And he was just about ready to grab the raft and I could see his fingers you know, he just no way you know because we, we yanked him right off of there anyway we run off the end of that we hit the, the fence uh, jumped across the sidewalk we hit the fence <laughs> people over there were watching and they scattered like cattle for, you know like a truck running through a fence in a pasture you know the people just scattered and ran you know <laughs> oh, 
I could see this coming, and I was just laughing. And I couldn't stop. It was just so funny. I couldn't understand why. I thought you were going to tell me, because these were all little kids, that when you got to the pinch point, that you that you got stuck. I thought oh, no, you were no, going to no, tell me you got stuck. <laughs> yeah, we just we blew past that. We blew past that guy on the on the platform there. And, uh, it looked like we were doing 40 mile an hour, you know. <laughs> Why? Oh my gosh! You must have had people having heart attacks watching that happen. Yeah, there was a there was a board fence there, and everybody it was a brand new ride that year. It had only only been open a few weeks, so people were standing on the fence watching, you know. And oh lordy! That they just scattered, boy. It, was, it looked funny, you know. Just you were so lucky you didn't get hurt. Yeah, my oh. wife especially, because she was in front, of course, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's good. This is You cleared the way, honey. I'm right behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are so bad. Oh, that's scary. So, it, But I'm assuming that by the time this thing stopped, the two of you were laughing. No, no, not her. <laughs> yeah, she, all she saw was a board fence coming at her. Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, that's scary. Oh, Jerry, that's really scary. I mean, we we hit the fence, but not hard. I mean, no, you know, no one was hurt. But I I did notice that the next time we went to Hershey Park, they had extended that break break area by about thirty feet. Yeah, and they called the attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we had anything to do with it or not, I don't know. <laughs> I think you probably helped them an awful lot there, but they were waiting to hear from your attorney for sure. Ooh, wow, that's scary. Uh, you want a question? Oh, I don't know. What do you have? Oh, you're so smart. You always get one. Okay, I have to have to find a harder one. How are you on comics? Uh, on um, you know, comic books and stuff? Uh, no, never, never read them. Never read them. Okay, well, we'll have to give you this one then. Edgar Bergen had a young daughter who was known as the sister of Charlie McCarthy. Right. Who was his daughter? Oh gosh. Um, is it Candace? Right. Very good. You done good. You had to squeeze for that one a little bit. Yeah, there's a. I'm trying to think. Of, there's two names I pull out and I get them confused. There's Candace Bergen and uh, and uh, was it Ingrid Bergman? I think there's some. Uh-huh. Polly Bergen. Yeah, Ingrid Bergen. Uh, yeah, it was Candace. Yeah. Candace. Yeah. No, I mean, was it Polly Bergen? You got Ingrid Bergman, Polly Bergen, Candace Bergen. How many other Bergens do we have, Walden? Edgar. Who? Edgar Bergen. Well, Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> But girls, lady type people. Is that it? Uh, Frances Bergen, which was a uh, an actress. Okay. Um, well, not I was I was uh, I was uh, Ed's wife. Um. Yeah, Candace Bergen. Didn't she play at uh, on a TV show where she was? Uh, yep. Pregnant on it on it. Uh, um. Yeah, Molly Brown. Uh, her, her, uh, Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never watched that show, but I remember hearing Murphy because my my nephew named his little girl Murphy. Wasn't that when when Reagan was president or something? That uh, was... It was Quail. It was Quail. It was George Bush. Okay. Yeah, that's how I remember it. I remember, I remember being in the news about you know about the appropriateness of this back then. Uh huh. Uh, you know the way the attitudes have changed over the years. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. Now, I know you're going to say, I'll send you an email, unless you have a couple emails homework in the meantime. Is there something you'd like me to send? No, I don't know right now. I'll, I'll send you something. I'll send you an email. <laughs> you, you do this all the time. But please, um, do. If you hear me talk.
talking or Walden and I are talking about something that makes you go, ooh, that sounds interesting, would you let me know about it? Oh, sure. Sharing shows is what it's all about, and I'd, I'd really like to do that. Yeah, yeah. We just, uh, just been kind of busy here. And, uh... Okay. You're excused. You don't even need a note from the principal. <laughs> well, that sounds good. <laughs> it's good. Well, well you wouldn't like to hear from you. Hmm? What's that? I said it's good to hear from you. It's always nice when you call. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Okay, Jerry. You have a great night. You Thanks. Too. You too. Bye-bye. And I wouldn't dug out something I know Patricia would love to hear. What? Here we go. What? Two, two guesses and both of them don't count. Here we okay. go. Okay. You know, composers not only borrow themes from each other, that's true, isn't it, Mr. Levant? As well as money. Uh, yes, <laughs> when they're lucky. But often they uh, borrow themes from themselves. That's now, the good. studio pianist, the studio pianist will play a theme used by a composer in one of his compositions. And you're to name another composition by the same man in which he uses a similar theme. Just name the composition. We're going to have uh, two different ones, and here is the first. Mr. Levine. Brahms uses that theme in the B-flat concerto, opus 81, uh, the third movement, the slow movement for cello. The uh, the theme is expressed by cello. It's a piano concerto. Yes, and in this particular... What is what was being played That's by a the song. now? Uh, Emmer, sleeping, slumber, Emmer, Emmer, Emmer. I'm not good at German. I don't well, know. Uh, those words are not bad. That Emmer, Emmer, Emmer. Emmer, Emmer something. If you repeat them often enough, slumber. you can't go wrong. Emmer, Liza, wird mein Schlummer. My slumber is softer and softer, something like that. As yes. they say in Paris. Uh, more or less. <laughs> uh, that gives us uh, 100%, Mr. Levant, on that one. Do you want to hear how the second piano concerto goes, Mr. Levant? Have Mr. Wilde play it? Well, you? I know it. It's up to you if you want to hear Mr. it. I'd love to hear it, Mr. Uh. Wilde. Well, now the second of these tests, Mr. Wilde. Mr. LeBan? Schubert. Schubert is right. Now, what uh, what's being played and in what other composition? Well, the one you... I uh, the one that it must be is an impromptu by Schubert. This is not the impromptu. There's a couple notes out. Wait. This is the song. The uh, the other one's the impromptu. That's very good. Yes, yeah. the other one's the impromptu. That's yeah, the... the name of the song is Emmer's Slumber Again. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> now you're getting retrogressive. Uh, your answer is, pri is quite right. It's the uh, the impromptu or flat. or the there's another one in which he uses it, the well, uh, quartet A minor. Well, I don't know that. But the one that was being played was the what? What the, was being played? That's the song uh, Emmer's Slumber. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't That's know. That's Brahms. This is the ballet music from Rosamunda. Is that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprising you is a feat in itself, Mr. Levant. Mr. Wilde, will you play that Schubert Quartet music? Schubert Quartet? He had a suit on his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing he must have had. And Mr. Levant's answer, which was the piano impromptu A-flat, is equally correct. The, Mine's in B-flat, I'm sorry. I have A-flat here. Well, we'll argue. I'll the split the difference. Over, yeah. We'll make it A-minus. All right, that gives us two out of two, Mr. Levant. Thank you very much. And how about this one from Joseph Glazer of New York? What relationship do the following have to important Axis or United Nations supply lines? And there we go. A little bit of Patricia's favorite. 
Oxford. I loved it. Yeah. He was so funny. When he was on top of his game, he was so sharp on the repartee. Oh, yeah. I love it. Thank you for playing that. No problem. Hello, caller. Hello. Hello. How are you? I just want to let you know that I, I just got home from watching our basketball team, University of Hawaii. Yes. Lose in double overtime. Oh, no. In Utah State. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. My throat is sore from making all kinds of noise. Defense. <laughs> oh, no. All kinds of stuff. Hey, by the way, Wallen, um, last night I was um, <clears throat> so touched by hearing that um, 1948 uh, Great Gilders Eve. Yeah. Wasn't that something? And I mean, I knew the story about the baby being left in the Gildersleeve's car and yeah. stuff. I, I I never really heard the end result of what happened to the baby. And um, last night when you played it, um, where, where the father admitted that, um, yeah, the guy admitted that he was a father. It was very, very touching. It, was, it really was. It was uh, a tearjerker. And then it was. I find that, that when I woke up this morning, I checked my... My volumes of um, Great Gillers, Steve. Yeah. And I got it. <laughs> Hooray! On MP3. But it was a very, very wholesome Christmas show. It was, it was a terrific show. Just a terrific show. And, and those... I was really, you know, moved by the, by the story. Yeah. I, I am too. Yeah. I am too. And Patricia, I want you to know that that Richard Diamond thing is fabulous. However, you didn't get the numbers you were supposed to. <laughs> I can tell you what happened. That was funny, but that's okay. What? Oh, gosh. What happened? Well, Walden, you, do you recall Rum asked me if I would split up the Richard Diamonds and put them on CDs instead of a DVD? Uh-huh. And I said, sure, that's fine. Did you notice what Patricia said, though, people? What? She said, what happened? I have a little bit of accent there. I just... Anyway, what happened? I know. Nothing. I, oh, I can see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what happened? You. <laughs> I, I want to know what happened. What happened? <laughs> it's going to be another one. Well, it's going to be good now. <laughs> well, what happened? What happened? You go ahead. Right, okay, go ahead. <laughs> she was, well, I, I loaded up the Richard Diamond. On my, com- on my computer, because I, t- I took it from uh, a DVD. I've got them stored on DVD, and I brought them over. And I put a CD in to copy them, and I do them a handful of shows at a time. So I copied 35 shows and <laughs> didn't go back and copy the rest. I just burned it and sent it, and not even remembering that it was not even a second CD. It was the first one. You were supposed to have two CDs filled with Richard Diamond, and what poor Ron wound up with was 35 Richard Diamonds. Well, you know, if he answers a trivia question, I'll bet you'll send him the second CD. Well, you know, you know something. Anyway, um, I have to send them anyway. I told him I would send them in the book. Yeah, it was, <laughs> the guy got a teaspoonful instead of a cup. It was very good, though. I mean, I, I you know, I, you know, I, I think it, I, it bothers me today. Like when I was younger, I never thought about it. But you know, every time you listen to Boston Blackie or Richard Diamond 
or somebody's detective. They always get hit on the head, you know. No, I was thinking about that the other day. You know, they don't have brain concussions. <laughs> well, that's why I always thought it was interesting with, with Richard Rogue. Ugo always visited him every time he got conked in the head. <laughs> every every star you hear, he gets whacked on the head or Whack. hit on the neck or whatever. And you wonder, how much can her, how much abuse can your body take? I know, I know. It, and it just, um, Philip Marlowe, yeah. the other one, he keeps getting whacked on the head, and he'll wake <laughs> up and say, it's okay, Ibarra, I just got a little clunk on the head. <laughs> they should but be out there. But, you know, Richard had a good deal. He would just drag himself to overhill and Ashford Place and... You know. And get fixed up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, you know, right. even even um, Johnny Dollar once in a while would get whacked on mm-hmm. the head, but not like the other ones. Not like the other ones. Not Every time you hear a story, these guys get whacked on the head. I'm, yeah. You know, I mean, if I got whacked on the head that many times, I'd be kind of brain dead already. You yeah, you'd, you'd be out there... Maybe digging a hole, and that's about it. Well, you, you know, it's, it's, it's something like Sam Spade. Uh-huh. A lot of times you can always tell when he get whacked or something always happens, the climatic end of the first scene, before they go through the wild root cream oil, you know, halfway yeah. through the show. Well, that's probably it. He uses wild root, and the the things just slid off his hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. it, didn't, it didn't really make as big a dent as everybody thought. Because if you use wild root cream oil, you it all slickery. Just pick off it, right? Yeah. yeah. Figured it out. We solved it. Now we know why <laughs> M. Spade always That's recovered. Right. He always recovered, right? Because it wasn't really as bad a hit as we all thought it was. But really, these guys should be walking around with fractures all over their heads. Oh, scars and everything. Yeah. They look pretty horrible, you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, another question, Walter. Yeah. The beginning of the Great Gilded was Evelyn or somebody or Marge or Marjorie was was it different or was it? Same same guy. There was Lorraine Tuttle. No. Who I played see. the first three years that she did the audition. Was she called Evelyn? Yes. She would call Evelyn in the audition. Ah. And then and then they decided for the first broadcast to name it to Marjorie. Ah. And the it's interesting the audition was sponsored by Johnson Wax. Right. And they thought this was going to be the summer replacement show for Phil McGee and Molly, but the company went with uh, Ransom Sherman that summer. So the guy who came up with the idea was so un- so upset, he just went ahead and just sold the whole concept to Kraft Foods. And he had a winner. They Kraft Foods had a winner on their hand for all those hey, because years. Because Kraft Foods sponsored it. For the rest of the, the great Julius career, I mean... Uh, practically up to about 54 or so, yeah. Wow, I mean, yeah. with Hal Perry and Willard Waterman. That's right. And boy, did they sponsor them. Every Christmas they had the Kraft Choir. Uh-huh. The Kraft Company Choir yep. would sing at Christmas time. They, and they also sang on the Kraft Music Hall, too. So they, they had to get ready for two shows every Christmas time. Yeah. And these were employees. These were all volunteers. Same thing with DuPont. DuPont had their own employees do their Christmas shows, too. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, Martin. Martin's working on upgrading his the Cavalcade of America book with you know, DuPont. And he had the DuPont company was every single 
choir member. So he just thought it'd be fun if he could send out, you know, postcards of every possible name and see if he could come up with a relative or two and see if they have any memories. How do they put those Christmas choir together for the company? Oh, what a great thing. Mm -hmm. What happened? Well, he's going to do that. Oh, okay. He's going to do that for the upgrade of the book. Uh-huh. You know. Oh, I do like that. Yeah. You know, um, you ever heard, you, Walton, you ever heard of George Shearing? Uh, of course. You know, when when he and Ray, uh, what was the old joke? When he and Ray, you know what, he and Ray Charles, when they get together to play tennis, you know what the score is, right? <laughs> what? It's love, love. Yeah, love, love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Ray, George Shearing used to tell that joke, you know. You know, George Shearing said, and I agree with George Shearing, mm -hmm. he said he enjoyed going to older movies than the modern day movies. You know, because there was more dialogue oh, yeah. in the older movies. The kind that you watch from Turner Classic. It's true. Uh, and I agree. It's true. I totally agree with that. I totally agree. He do, uh, uh, when you go to a movie, everything is action, fast action, you know? Yeah. Or, or, or dialogue. I don't know if, did you ever go to the English Patient? The, you know, this, this, this was the thing, if one, the, Academy Award about 10 years ago, was, right, right. and it, it was based upon a nurse taking care of a soldier in, in Egypt, I guess in Europe, maybe Egypt, and it was always flashbacks, and my mom got totally confused, and she said, Juan, did you get confused when we went to this movie with three, and I said no, because I could figure out every time they had a flashback, they played music of the 40s, uh. and I would do only way. I can figure out if we were supposed to be current or flashbacking. Right. You right. know. That's why I love old-time radio. The flashback technique is not as used as often, and it's more of a straight-on story. Sometimes you have a flashback, but it's easier for me to fall than going to these movies when you're jumping up and down and sideways and who knows what. Well, even Patricia says, She's not a, you're not a TV watcher, right? Not very much, no. So, yeah, she, she only watches six hours a day rather than normal eight. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> no. So you don't keep track of the modern television shows? Oh, there are a couple that I like a lot, but I watch them in reruns. Oh. I, I don't go jumping around and saying, oh, gosh, it's 7 o'clock, I have to watch for this thing. So I like NCIS. Huh? That's in reruns, okay. and there's a show named Bones, B-O-N-E-S, and that's in reruns. They, these are they're active shows. They still are broadcast on their regular nights, but I get to watch the reruns, and they're pretty predictable when they're going to be running, and they run at all different hours, so I get to see them on my own time. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. So those, those are those modern enough? Yeah, I guess. What, what shows did you have in mind? Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> oh, Leave it to Beaver. I, I talked to Lumpy this week. Did you talk to Lumpy? Yes. Uh, Frank well, Bank played Lumpy and Leave it to Beaver. Are we going to get to talk to him? Yeah, we no. will. Yeah. And... Lumpy Doll played Wally, right? That's right. And uh, He played Wally. No, um, Tony Dow played Tony Wally. Dally. Yeah, Tony Dow. Yeah, he played Wally. Played Wally. He's still around. Anyway... Uh, Frank Bank. I'm, I'm Jerry Mather. Jerry Mather. Right, the Where's beaver. Where is he? Is he still around? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, um, and the cocky guy, Eddie Haskell. 
Gosh, I don't know if Eddie's around or not. Yes, he is. He was a Los Angeles police officer. Oh, that's right. They're a cop. That's right. He's a cop, yeah. I know we just lost, what, uh, Mrs. Beaver here. June. June, uh, yeah. Was it Cleaver? I don't remember. No, it was June Cleaver, and it was Barbara. Barbara. Barbara Billingsley. Billingsley. Yeah. There you go. Because Warren died before she did. Right. I did not realize this. I was talking to a friend that uh, he was a minister. Ward Cleaver? Yeah. Wow. And... The uh, show was really good, though. Yeah, it was a great was show. A show. It was a great little show. You know, I, I remember... And it pops up every once in a while again. Yeah. And I remember the biggest problem one time for Beaver was that he lost his father's library card. And you look around today and think... But kids have to contend with. There was such a, a simple wholesomeness in those shows that I get lost in. I like Beaver. I like the old, and I like old black and white movies too. But the old old shows, I love to watch them. Mm-hmm. That's what I grew up watching when I came home. I, I um, as a little kid, we wouldn't be in L.A. We got to see them during rerun during the day. Uh huh. And you know. We, I don't really remember much of the primetime TV except for McLeod as a kid, you know. They were wholesome. They were really wholesome it shows, was. you know, before. And you didn't have to worry about the language. No. You know, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, now you do. And even if you go beep, I mean, still. You know what they've said, yeah. 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 Oh. Very pleasant. Well, anyways... Really nice talking to you. You're going to play a question with us? Yeah, wait, hang on. I have a question for you. Hello. <laughs> uh, hey? Uh, yeah, I have a question for you. Uh, do you. Do you have a whole bunch of Nero Wolf? I do. Okay. No, no, not that. Because I'm trying to find something you don't have. Oh, 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 so not for you. Yes, I do. I have quite a few of them. Oh, you got Nero Wolf. How about Peter and the Wolf? No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> you know, I have. I think I have Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> okay, no, okay, I'll play with you. Okay, you you ask me a question. Okay, and then what? <laughs> <laughs> I got the sillies tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, in Fibber McGee and Molly. Fibber McGee and Molly. Yeah, let's see if we can find you a Fibber McGee and Molly in here. Okay, which Fibber McGee and Molly cast member? This is a hard one, so if you say, go away. All right. Which Fibber McGee and Molly cast member was also the voice of Elmer Fudd in Warner Brothers cartoons? Uh, yeah. Um, he, okay, I, he played, I mean, he played in last thing. He played Floyd the Bomber in the Great Gildersleeve. Yes. Played, uh, yeah, he had a lot of parts of, I can't think of his first thank you. But uh yeah, and he was Elmer Fudd but uh, You're almost there. This is good. This was a hard one. Yeah, I know. I, I can't think of his name right now. Oh my gosh. Well, what was his first name? Arthur. Hugh Bryan. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's good. I know you knew it. As soon as you said Floyd Munson, I knew you knew who we were talking about. But he was very good. I mean, he he was very very good. Very good. Yeah. He was he, he, he was Frank Percy's second dad. 
Huh? Yeah, he 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 adopted sort of Frank. He used to drive Frank home from the radio shows. They used to get on Red Rider. And at the very end of his life, Arthur had terrible eye trouble. Hugh and, Bryan? Uh, Arthur Hugh Bryan did. So Frank used to drive him to his doctor appointments. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's very nice. Very nice. I, 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 I like Elmer Fudd. I thought he was very... He, I could never say I was a good wabbit. <laughs> oh, that wascally wabbit. That wascally wabbit. Yeah, the wascally wabbit. Clever, you know, all kinds of, you have to think, what is he trying to say, you know? He couldn't say, he couldn't say R, you know? Yeah, yeah. He said, well, wascally wabbit. This is good. Okay, now this, this means we can trade something, because you're going to find something that I don't have, and I have surely got something that you don't have that I can I know what I want from you already. What? You 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 made a mistake of mentioning that you got a whole bunch of Life of Riley. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's brand new. I just got them last week. That's how I remember. I said, Oh my gosh, that's the that's the one. Life I, of Riley. You want the Life of Riley? Yeah. I'd be happy to send it. Send it with the uh, Richard Diamond. You didn't send the Richard Diamond, right? Not yet. I'll put them all together. And then. Um, um, you got the country doctor? No, I never heard of that one. Well, did I explain to her what the country doctor was? Are you talking about Dr. Christian? Yeah. Do I don't have that. Dr. Christian, with an interesting concept, it was on for 18 years, mm-hmm. and it was written by the listeners. Ooh. They, the listeners sent in the stories... And they and they would dramatize those year round. Oh, but Tom, who played Doctor Christian? Doctor Christian, uh, um, you remember he yeah, was a yeah, it was uh, Herschel. Yeah, Gene uh, Herschel. Gene Herschel, and his, uh, I think it's now his grandson, is a radio personality up in Seattle. Well, Gene Herschel show. used to uh, be the director for what? The, he with the he with the Academy Award. The, he was the head of the Academy for. And they they give the uh, the Herschel uh, human uh, humanitarian award every year in his honor. Gene Herschel played a good Dr. Christian. Yep. Typical, like the you know kind of warm country. You don't have to you you don't have to really pay me right now, kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know. Well, you pay me when you can. Yep. Oh gee. Really, a country doctor? It was a country doctor. No, I don't have any of them. I'll send you that. Oh, wow, thank you. It will take about a month because I, I haven't gotten it, but I will, I mean, it's coming to me. It's Good. coming to me, so so make sure you get, get a Oh, that'll be nice. Thank you for thinking of that. Yeah. One of our favorites played his nurse for a while. Who? Huh? Janet Waldo. Did she? Yeah, she was Judy for a while. Well, she could nurse. I wish she was my nurse. Oh, my God. I know. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, Janet, it's Janet's birthday this Friday. This what? Janet Waldo's birthday the coming Friday, so... Coming Friday? Yep, I'll play the interview that Frank and I did with her on Friday. To celebrate your birthday, because I talked to her yesterday, so... She... Would you do me a favor and email her and tell her that Ron, again, said happy birthday? I will do that. Remember, I played on her, and she teared up, man. I know. I know. Oh, no, that was Janet Waldo. That was cool. for, um... Gloria. That was Gloria. Gloria, yeah. yeah. I saw Gloria a few weeks ago, 
So of her. Tell Jenny Walter that I have I will. I will do that for you. <laughs> okay, so you send me those two. I'll, I'll, as soon as I get the country doctor, I will send you the country doctor. Oh, that sounds great. Thank you. You'll like the country doctor. Oh, good. Okay. So he wasn't just out for the money. He he, he really cared about his people. Aw. Say hi, Patricia. That's nice. Yeah. We need to hear more of that. We'll talk to you guys later. Oh. By the way, how's your collection for a big town? I don't have any big town. However, I can find them. Oh, I'll send you that, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be great. Thank you. You don't have to worry about Big Town and the country doctor. Okay, thanks. Big Town! Yay! Question, and hopefully you can answer. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I know. Hey, I, I, I really look forward to Saturday nights. And I look forward to Friday nights when I hear um, Frank with Brady and stuff and when I hear such touching stories as um, the great killers. Yeah, it was fun. Yes. It really makes, it really puts old radio in the forefront, you know? Oh, I don't know how, it's awful hard for TV to beat at my books, so. Well, nice talking to the two of you. All right, Ron. And I'll check my mailbox and you wait a while and I'll send you the other things, okay? Super, thank you. Talk to you later. Good morning. Aloha. 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 Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. This is this is the multitasker from Florida. It's a quarter to four after four in the morning, and Patricia's multitasking. She she just jammed her printer. She just she's scrubbing the kitchen floor. She jammed the printer. I hit print, and. Um, it's not what I wanted to print, and I grabbed and I jammed it. So, oh, wow. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Uh, well, we can just turn off the electricity and turn it back on. But, um, I have to get the jammed paper out of it. That's uh, true. Hello there. Can you have a recommendation how to take care of paper out of a jam printer? I know how to do it. Oh, okay. It's going to be noisy. <laughs> uh, yeah. <coughs> it involves an axe. <laughs> No, 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 no. I wouldn't bet on that. I got a brand new printer, and it's all I can do every day not to take an axe to it. Really? What kind did you get? Uh, it was an Epson 590, I believe it was. Are you having trouble and with it? That can think and absolutely drive you out of your mind. What is I'll never buy another one, I'll tell you that. What, uh, another Epson? Well, I had two 870s, and they did pretty darn good. And, you know, one of them was dropping dead, and this one was new, and I like good junk, you know. And, mm -hmm. well, that was worked pretty good. This one going to tell you. But I tell you, it's sure been a nightmare. I have had one Epson in my entire life, and it was one too many. Yeah, well, I guarantee you this one is. Um, I'm sure Tim never buy another one. I know that. Yeah, I'm sure they've got good products out there, but the one I got wasn't. I, no, I, this one isn't. Oh gosh, it it was just awful, and I was so grateful when it broke down finally. Well, I got a feeling this one will never wear out. You know, for me, if I, whenever I find the money to buy another one, it'll. Um, 
you're gonna be gone. You're gonna be stuck with it for the rest of your life. Well, you're probably right, but I hope not. Oh, I hope not. How are you doing? Well, <clears throat> trying to get over a cut and I'm kinda of wheezing some, but anyway, it's on the downhill slide I think. I believe mm -hmm. this is the third one this year and each one seems to have a shorter endurance time for some reason. It doesn't last as long, which I'm happy about, but uh, there's no coal. It's fun. I don't care how you look at it. No, and three is three too many? Yep, that's right. Then. No, I think words are so bad, my immune system suppressed drastically with the medicine I'm taking because of what I have. And, you know, you always wonder, is this the last one? And I guess it's never been that bad, but um, it still makes you wonder. Mm. And how? How's your weather been? Cold and snowy, and the last one had a coat of ice on it, the last snow did. But the uh, last two or three days has been kind of chilly at night, but it's really been nice during the day. I think it got it up to what was it, around 60 yesterday. Wow. It was kind of breezy, but, um, you know, all in all, it was pretty nice. Well, I'm impressed. Is is this a worse winter than what you're accustomed to? I don't think so. <clears throat> I think the real deal is I just can't take them like I used to, and I think it's me more than it is the weather. You need some whorehound candy. Well, I'll go when you were talking to Nova, and I, I, I really... Gave it some serious thought. I may do this, <laughs> just that very thing. feeling poorly. Yeah, well, this Cohen, uh, even after sending that to you and knowing that that was one of the uses of it, I don't know why it ever, never dawned on me not to go get some, but I didn't. But I think that it's probably a good idea now. It's probably a good idea now. I had I had that awful whatever it was around Christmas time, and I had some. I don't know if it helped, but it sure didn't hurt. Just think where you'd have been if you hadn't uh, taken it. That's right. Where would I have been? That's right. Yeah. As it was. I've got a question for you. I don't know if it was an audition program mm -hmm. or just a demo type thing when they were trying to get it started. But Gunsmoke, does either of you know what Matt Dillon's name was in that show? No. Uh, well, you're talking about the one who put tied out and escape? It, it, it first, I don't remember it having anything to do with escape. Yeah, it, it, I may be wrong. Yeah, the, um, the first time... I just heard it, but I don't remember any relation to escape. Yeah, in 1949, they did a version of it with Mark Dillon. That's it. That's the name I'm talking about, but I did not realize... It was related to a scam. Yeah. And uh, Rice Bill Ferry, or Michael Rye, it was Michael Rye back then, Rice Bill Ferry today, he's still with us. Um, and uh, he, he played it. He was, the okay. first, he was the first nighter, and also with Jack Armstrong uh, when we, during the war. But uh, yeah, they tried it out as an audition on Escape in 1949. And okay. three years later, which on at Gunsmoke. Well, I really think it was a good idea to change the name, kind of like the music on Dragnet. <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. That, in the beginning, that yeah. was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that was not. That's not well remembered today. You're right. 
right. And I understand why. That was some awful music for the purpose. Um, another thing that <clears throat> one of the, and this I guess is leading to a point. One, I think it was a five-minute mystery. Mm -hmm. I really do not recall who was doing it. I just heard it at the tail end of um, the old-time radio club shows where they filled in at the end. Um, one of them, the guy was caught for a murder because he claimed he was several miles out of town at the top of a, a hill or a small mountain, and he heard thunder and looked back toward town and saw a flash of lightning. Mm -hmm. Anyone you want to give him a call in? I haven't heard that one, but... No. Okay, but oh. you, you can see the problem immediately. Uh-huh. Okay. I read a lot. <laughs> and when things like that happen, it just, you know, I catch it. Yeah. I don't know that I'm looking for them, but they just jump out at you. Mm-hmm. I just finished a book recently by Tom Clancy, of all people. Mm -hmm. And would you believe he did the same thing? Now, he should have known better. I mean, <laughs> you know, the same deal. Mm -hmm. They heard the thunder and then saw the lightning. Right. Well, that's incredible. Maybe the lightning was slow that day. I guess it must have been, or the thunder was fast. I'm not sure <laughs> which. Or they heard thunder and then looked and saw the next bolt of lightning. Oh. Well, now that could have been. I never thought of it that way. You're talking about the, um, I was Nolan talking about the Mercedes. He had, had what, 300,000 miles on him? Uh-huh. A friend of mine stored a car here behind the shop for probably three or four years. It was a diesel Mercedes, much newer, obviously, but he had one. And somebody he knew had one just like it that wrecked it and messed up one of the struts under the front end. Well, the guy got another job or was transferred somewhere up in the Midwest, and a friend of mine bought his Mercedes because it was identical to the one he had. Well, like I said, he had it out here for several years, and he finally just moved it. Oh, what was it last July? But anyway, he was talking about the one he was driving, and it had 480-some thousand miles on it, and going just as good as it ever did. And I know that, you know, diesels last a long time, but I just, in a way, was kind of surprised that it was doing as well as it was. That's getting pretty good value for your money. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, the point, he bought the other car. I don't think he paid the guy with like $700 for it. Mm. And he was going to use it for parts on the one he was driving. Mm. But I told him, I said, you know, there's nothing absolutely the matter with this thing except this this deal under the front end. And I said, I think it'd make a whole lot more sense to fix it. Mm. And uh, even if you're not going to drive it, uh, you could make a heck of a profit out of it just selling it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this thing was... Uh, just a few years old. It wasn't anything back in the 80s like no one's was. Mm -hmm. 
But I guess that's neither here nor there. It's oh, just, no, it's, it's a good point. I just happened to think about it when Nolan was talking about his 84 Mercedes. But um, I guess there's some cars it, that... Uh, it, it should get quite a few more miles out of it. Yeah, I guess there are some cars that you can buy that hold their value. Right. Yeah. On your list, um, you got a Nash Rambler on there? No, I don't. Nash Rambler is on here. All right, that's just one I have to think of. No, I mean, it is now. Surely you've got the Edsel. Yeah, somebody got the Edsel. But, you know, that's really a Ford. You know? Yeah. A bad idea, but it was a Ford, just saying. (laughs) A bad idea. Really bad idea. Good grief. What else? I don't guess I've got anything else worthwhile, so there's no sense in wasting everybody's time. But, uh, oh, you going to have a question with us? Uh, yeah, why not? Oh, well, I wow. did get your, your um, Beulah CD oh, you did? Uh, a couple of days ago, matter of fact. Oh, you're talking about the envelope you're sending back and forth with huh? stamps? Yeah. It gives a real meaning to the term uh, forever stamps, doesn't it? Ooh. Very good. Very good. I don't think that's what they had in mind. I don't think that's what they had in mind. However, (laughs) that's good. I I do like that. Okay. All right. Let's see. We got to get you a question here. Um, We're talking sidekicks here. Okay. Who who was Barney Phillips? The name rings a bell, but I cannot place a sidekick. I just can't. Okay. Who was Frank Smith? Oh, he was Joe Friday's sidekick. There you go. (coughs) Now tell me, who was Barney Phillips? Was he another one of Joe Friday's? Another one, yes. He was. Oh, he he had several. And that was his real name. Barney oh, really? Phillips? Okay. Yeah, there was a radio actor named Barney Phillips. No joke? Yeah. So I bet they're the same guy. Aw, uh, you're joshing me. No, I'm telling you the truth. You're not pulling my leg? Well, I know there was a radio actor named Barney Phillips. I bet it was the same person. All right. Well, I, 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 say, I say probably not. And I'll look it up later. <laughs> and if, if, I, if I get it right, do I get a CD? Uh-huh. Okay. I, I will I will take care of you in space. <laughs> I will let you know what I need. Harwood, what do you need? What would you like to hear? Um, I don't have any green hornets. Um, I think that would be as good as anything. Well, I have green hornets, so I will be happy to send them. Okay, we will. Right. Oh, no, I really like that show. The movie is getting hand badly and apparently with some pretty good reason well you know i've heard them advertising it but i honestly don't even have any desire to see what it's like i, I swear they, they they take stuff like this and they just mess it up so bad mm-hmm. that i don't even want to see what it's like yeah that's apparently i've also happened. noticed that Years and years ago, when you would see a movie and read the book, you wonder 
How in the world did they put the two things together? <laughs> I know. I just assumed read the book and forget the whole thing. Uh-huh. You know, yep. it's just such a Always pitiful a- excuse for the book, uh, the movie that they're doing. Uh-huh. Agreed. I wonder which, I wonder which one did, that was very successful in both medium, a book and a movie. My guess would be Gone with the Wind. Uh, now, that may be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that probably was. But it, it's a rare thing. It really is a rare, rare thing. There's always a disappointment on one end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you may ask why he was pulling your leg. Years ago, I had a customer in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Right. They were a company that did um, rural radio telephone systems in this country. And at the time, I was selling stuff to them. They were doing a bunch in Saudi Arabia, I think. But the woman could come up with some real screwball things that would call and order stuff. And I really don't remember how it came up, but... um, Whatever was said, her comment was, you've got to be pulling my leg. And I don't usually do this, especially with a customer, but I just couldn't help myself. I said, no, I'm not. But if you'll hold it up, I'll give it a yank. Oh. And she said, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you still have a customer when this was over? Yeah, for a while. I lost them, but it wasn't because of that. I had a supplier that uh, that came to me because his brother wasn't treating them right, and I was, I was the one who got blamed for it. And at the time, I never even knew the guy had a brother, but um, I got blamed for it anyway. And he moved oh, around until I lost him, you know, with problems I had with the product, and he wouldn't fix them. And, of course, they were blaming me for it, too. And, you know, just one of those things, but it didn't have anything to do with the comment. But I usually don't do that, but I just... I couldn't help myself. <laughs> that was good. But I, I, I really, never... I really had a Lulu one time here in North Carolina. Um, public radio. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but anyway, it's um, the WUNC radio and TV system type thing. You know, it's um started out as a college-based thing, but now it seems like it's got all out of hand. But anyway, we got a job to put an antenna and feed lines on a tower at a place called Brinkleyville, which is the eastern part of the state, um, a little bit east of Kinston, North Carolina, from what I'm remembering. And we were doing this for the FBI. And I was dealing with the FBI field office in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I... You know, they called and said they had all the equipment there and ready to put up. And I said, all right, I need directions to the tower site. Well, you know, he started giving me, you know, you take such and such a highway to uh, a certain turn off and take this road and that road. Well, they get down there and, and, and you're going down this road and you see a little dirt road like on the left. And there's a sign there that says wonk. And that's where you turn in. I said, the sign says What? He says, it's wonk. I said, could you spell that? (laughs) He said, yeah, it's W-U-N-K, wonk. 
I said, oh, wonk. Now I understand. <laughs> wonk. Yeah. It was the call of the station. <laughs> he was pronouncing it as a word. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> UNK was the, I the got station it. at that location. <laughs> but he was saying wonk. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, no much for levity tonight. It's kind of poor, but that's all I got. I, I need to ask you, have you ever been in a situation where you started to laugh and you couldn't stop? Oh, yes. At the moment, I can't remember the situation, but it has happened. I think it probably happened to everybody sometime in life. I think so, too. Your assignment is... There's a lot of them that are real doozies. <laughs> I know that, you know, what I'm remembering about the times that it happened. Um, mine was, and I mean, you, know, you, you, you can't help it. You can't stop. There comes a point when you can't, you literally cannot stop. Nothing is funny anymore, but you're in this, it's like a hiccup. You, you just yep. can't stop the hiccup. Exactly. Really bad stuff sometimes. Oh, yeah. Or you're in a very bad place when it happens. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There was, um, I think, it, was it Mary Tyler Moore? I guess that was the name of the show, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. And she went to a funeral for Chuckles the Clown, and she started remembering some really bad things or some silly things with Chuckles the Clown, and she started to laugh. She was in the funeral home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she started to laugh and couldn't stop laughing, and everybody thought she was crying. <laughs> <laughs> she, she got away with it. Oh, no, the, the case that happened to me, everybody thought I was crazy. What what occasion was that? Uh, when, I, when when something like that would happen, you get to laugh and you can't stop. Yes. Yeah, they would just think I was crazy. They didn't think I was crying. <laughs> well. Everybody's standing around looking at you. You know how that is. Yes, 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 yes. It was awful. Uh, oh, well, y'all have fun, and I appreciate the... Green Hornet and the Beulah and all that, and we'll try again someday. Okay, it'll be great to send them to you. They're really good my shows. computer's been all messed up. I really haven't been able to listen to you Aww. for two or three weeks. And well, we've been asking about you and Patricia and I get on the phone, so we're glad you're okay. We should get better ways. Well, hopefully I'll live through it. Yeah, I hope uh, you feel better. Stuff working again. Anyway, see y'all later. All right. Hey, bye-bye, Howard. Bye. Family's been keeping it busy tonight, Patricia. Uh-huh. I have killed my printer. Well, should we play a show and you can work on it? No, that's okay. It'll wait until tomorrow. I'm not going <laughs> to get anything <laughs> dram dramatic done tonight. I don't know what I did to it. I may have to just restart everything. But it lights up, but it won't do anything. Maybe it's oh, worn out. Maybe. Hmm? maybe it's worn out. No, I didn't wear it out. I killed it. I killed it. You I ought to get arrested. It? How did you I, know you killed it? Well, we have a Walden question. And I have some quotes. Which would you like first? I have a choice? Sure. Oh, let's go with a Waldy question. Okay, I have two of them for you. Oh, good. Yeah, the first one, I will understand, but I hope you get it, because it's a good one. Who was Dan Garrett?
I think he was Mr. District Attorney in the 50s. Not even close. Mm. It's a hard one. It's a very hard one. It, it wasn't even well, he, a series. Well, it ran from May 1940 through September 1940. So it, it, the show had a very short run. I did know the answer, though. I want you to know I am not asking you anything that I didn't know the answer to. <laughs> you find that amusing?